Welcome to this week's presentation from Bethesda, a church community where anyone can belong. We hope that the following presentation encourages you in your faith journey. Thanks for listening. Well, happy Mother's Day uh, to you here in the sanctuary and to you joining us online. I know that Mother's Day is not a happy day for all mothers or daughters, but I pray that God will comfort your heart and bring healing to you as you hear his word today. But I wanted to start off by something that was written by a stay-at-home mom because she felt that so many people were saying to her, so you don't work? So this is what she says. She says, I'm a wife, mother, friend, confidant, personal advisor, lover, referee, peacemaker, sure, if you have more than one children, uh, housekeeper, laundress, chauffeur, if you have a vehicle and your children are in several activities around the city, interior decorator, gardener, painter, wallpaperer, dog groomer, veterinarian, and manicurist, barber, seamstress, appointment manager, for sure, because it's all the doctor's appointments and all the other appointments you have to keep, financial planner, bookkeeper, money manager, because most women, I think, um, buy the groceries and look after the household finances somehow, personal secretary, teacher, for sure, disciplinarian, entertainer, psychoanalyst, nurse, diagnostician, public relations expert, dietitian and nutritionist, yep, got to feed them, baker, chef, fashion coordinator, and letter writer for both sides of the family. But of course, if you see... <laughs> Good, let's applaud the mothers. As you know, this is a quotation from uh, 1994. So the $75,000 a year, inflation has hit that. We're now looking at $100,000 a year for all that a mother does and is. So we really applaud her today, and um, we know that no amount of money in the world will ever cover the cost of everything that mothers do, and some in addition to working outside the home. So we thank them all today. Well, when I was thinking about what to share, um, my mind kept going back to the book of Ruth. Although Ruth doesn't become a mother until the last part of the book, in Ruth 4.13, it seemed fitting to honor all women on this Mother's Day, because while some of us have birthed children, some have adopted children, some have stepchildren, some have foster children, and others care for the spiritual well-being of children. I've seen it here in the church, in nursery, Sunday school, city kids, the youth ministry. You fulfill the role of mothers. So, as we come to look at what God wants us to hear today, let's ask him to help us, to help me, and to help you, everyone listening here in the sanctuary and online. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are coming to a God who sees and knows and understands everything about our lives. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here with us. We've already sensed his presence. And so Lord, as we look into your word today, as we share together, I pray that your Holy Spirit will take full control of what I say, what I think, I pray that you'll anoint my lips, my tongue, my heart. I pray that the heart of everyone here and online will be anointed as well by your Holy Spirit. Your presence will be there in a special way, wherever they may be, O oh God. 
And Father, I thank you that today we will honor the mothers because you've created them and given them that special place. And for those who care for children, those who are aspiring to be mothers, those who are doing the work of mothers in various situations in life, I pray your blessing upon them. And I pray that you'll bless us together as we look into your word now. We ask all of this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Few books in the Bible are told from a woman's viewpoint. In Ruth, a woman is the protagonist and a woman has the supporting role. And the primary world of the story is a woman's world, expressing feminine values and aspirations. But the book of Ruth is also a perfect example of God's love for us and his working in our lives, even when we're not aware of it. It's what I called my go-to book, whether you're in a place of suffering or rejoicing. So let's look at God's providential care in the lives of Naomi and Ruth through his provision, his protection, and purpose for their lives. So when you think about the word providence, what comes to your mind? Is it the protective care of God, which involves his foresight or interference, says the Oxford English Dictionary? Providence acknowledges God's sovereignty and supremacy in his creation and in sustaining what he has created by his power. We believe that the same God, after he created all things, did not forsake them or leave them to chance, but that he rules and governs them according to his holy will. But why is it important to know about God's providential care in our lives? Because we need to see and believe in the purposes of God so that we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for our future, good confidence in our faithful God that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from his love. I know it's easy to be thankful in prosperity when everything is going well in our lives, but in adversity, that's definitely not easy. But let's read about God's providential care in the book of Ruth. And I'll be reading from chapter one, verse one, from the New American Standard Bible. It says, now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Shilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they took for themselves Moabite women as wives. And the name of the one was Opa and the name of the other, Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. Then both Malon and Shalon also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, 
For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in Bethlehem in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and had two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Upper kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So dropping down to verse 19, so they both, Naomi and Ruth, went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came about when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned with her, with her Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. Naomi's situation looked very bleak. Then she hears that God has provided food in her homeland. Naomi looks at her situation in Moab. No husband, no sons, no grandchildren, no property. And in that culture for a widow, she had no secure source of income and was past childbearing years. She decides to return to Judah. But what will she do with her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth? who were not born in Judah, but in Moab. So on the return journey, Naomi decides to send them back to their family. After all, they were young enough to remarry, and Naomi felt she had no choice but to make it alone. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt all alone, felt that no one understands or cares about your situation? This was Naomi's perspective of her experiences and situation. This was her response. First she said, the hand of the Lord has gone forth or gone out against me. Here she uses a war terminology, like when kings go out to battle against an enemy. That's how she felt. But the book of Ezra reminds us that the hand of the Lord is for good on all those who seek him. Secondly, Naomi says, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me, very bitterly with me using a mercantile terminology, as if God has not kept his part of the business deal. And you know, sometimes in our distress, we say that, this is not what I bargained for. 
She also says that the Lord has witnessed against me. Here she's using a legal terminology as if God has given evidence or testified against her in a court of law. Then she says, the Almighty has afflicted me, using a medical terminology, as if God caused her body, mind, soul to be afflicted with pain or emotional suffering by the death of her loved ones and of her destitute situation. So we do the same thing, we say it in different ways. But is that your experience today? of the past weeks, months, or years? Is that your experience as a mother, a wife, a woman, a caregiver, aspiring to be a mother? It's good to know that uh, Naomi calls God the Almighty. She knows that God exists and works in our lives. Almighty in Hebrew is El Shaddai, and when translated, it means all-sufficient one. May I encourage your heart today in this sanctuary and listening online that God is all sufficient for your every need. May I should say that again. When we get to some situations in our lives and experiences in our lives, we need to remember that God is all sufficient for our every need. He's more than enough for what you need. When tragedy strikes in your life, God is not wringing his hands and wondering what's he gonna do next or how he's gonna fix it. He already knows the beginning and the end. He's working his purposes out in our lives and for our good. Naomi concludes on arrival in Bethlehem. The women were so happy to see her. I mean, she's been gone for over 10 years and is this Naomi? They're really excited. And she just says, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant or sweet. Call me Mara which means bitter. And she explains why. Because the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. But notice that all Naomi could see and feel were her loss and grief, and not what God was doing for her. The chapter ends with this telling verse. So Naomi returned, and with her, Ruth the Moabitess and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, a time of plenty. So really, she wasn't alone. She had Ruth, and she had arrived at a time of plenty. That's God's providential care. His provision, his protection, he protected them all the way from Moab back to Bethlehem in Judah, and his purpose, as we see it unfold in the book of Ruth. The Lord did not bring Naomi back empty, she had Ruth, she had arrived at a time of plenty. It was the beginning of the barley harvest. God had already taken care of planting the seed, weeding, watering. Now it was time for harvesting. Many times we're blinded by our sufferings or circumstances or situations that we don't see God at work. But God is working for our good all the time. Believe me. Uh, he's at work to give you and me a future and a hope. Um, when John, my husband, completed his PhD program in Toronto back in 1982, he started applying for, I think we started applying in 81, uh, for employment. And for a time, it seemed like he would never be employed. He got a couple of jobs, you know, that were offered to him. He wanted to work in the university. And um, 
when he went to get the visa, they told him that he couldn't get the visa, even though he already had the position. So we were praying many times. It was during the recession, and things looked really bleak. They were not employing people. And then one day, his supervisor mentioned a position in electrical engineering here at Memorial University. When he accepted the offer, many people asked us, why we want to come here? Because they said there wasn't an African community, and it was too cold for us to survive. Well, that was in 1982, look at us now. <laughs> we survived, we made it. And the many wonderful relationships that we've built over the years with so many of you, you know, that are here and many others in the community. Look at the diversity in our believers in the church. This was a place that people said, oh, not many people, you're gonna stand out and, you know. But we didn't know then what God had in store for us by closing those other doors and opening the opportunity here at Mon, I know that I usually don't like to talk about um, things that I've accomplished, as Pastor mentioned, but I do want to give God glory because when we came here, I had the same problem. I couldn't find work. So I can identify with a lot of you who are here and looking for work. And, uh, and so the Lord just led me through some volunteer activities that I was doing in the community to start the Sharing Our Cultures program. And I didn't even know it was gonna last 20 years. So God is faithful and God is good and God is good all the time and is more than sufficient for our needs. Naomi and Ruth arrived at the time of harvest, but Naomi's land had no yield or crops because they were not there to plant the seeds or water or weed or care for it, so the land had no harvest. But God had already provided for Naomi and youth years before they were even born, when he commanded as part of the Jewish law after the exodus from Egypt. He says, now, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, neither shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the needy which includes the poor, the widow, the orphan, and for the stranger. And this is repeated in several other verses in scripture. So when Ruth says to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after one in whose sight I may found favor, food was already there. That's God's provision. But that was not all. Ruth departed, and she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. So. It doesn't really say how many fields she went to, but she happened to come upon a portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who happened to be of the family of Elimelech, Naomi's husband, Ruth's uh, father-in-law that had passed away. While Ruth was gleaning, Boaz happened to arrive from Bethlehem at the opportune time. And then he happened to see Ruth. So of all the people, who, women who were gleaning there, um, he saw Ruth and asked his servant, who's this young woman? And of course the servant happened to know about Ruth's story and how she had left her home and family to care for Naomi. He sort of didn't say, oh, it's a strange woman, I don't know who she is, but he knew and he was able to give Boaz the very pertinent information that he needed. The servant had also observed that Ruth started working early and had worked all day, only taking a short break. And as the story goes and as the experiences happened for Ruth, Boaz happened to treat Ruth as one of his maidservants, providing her with water, a meal for lunch, as well as enough food for her to take home to Naomi. 
You see, nothing in your life or in mine is by happenstance or coincidence or chance. As a loving father, God knows everything we go through in our lives. He doesn't catch him unawares in any way. He knows the sparrow that falls to the ground and the lilies that grow and even the very hairs on our heads are numbered. So God, in his providential care, is working his purposes out even when we do not understand. Boaz acknowledges the providence of God as he speaks to Ruth. He says, may the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. Where are you seeking refuge from today? Are you seeking refuge from God for all the things that you're going through that maybe are outside of your control and you don't really know how you're gonna solve it or what you're gonna do? We need to remember that in our time of need, we need God. Sometimes we're prone to stay away from God when we face challenges in our lives, but that's when we need even more so to draw near to God. We can't do life alone. We dare not go it alone. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in our time of need. Ruth had been suffering since her husband died. She was left to care for her husband's mother. Then she had to leave her home and everything that was familiar to her to come to a foreign land. For some of you here or listening online, this has been your experience. At the age of 19, I left my homeland from one continent in Africa to travel to another in North America. I didn't realize what it meant for my mother because I was all excited about leaving home, coming to Canada, you know. I remember leaving with one suitcase and two books. The King James Version of the Bible and the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> but looking back now, my mom must have known that I needed the word to, of God to guide my life in a foreign land and the English words with which to share the word of God. I didn't know the sacrifice she made until I was saying goodbye to my children at the airport. And many times I would wake up at night and early morning wondering how they were feeling, like what they were doing, what was happening to them, were they happy, were they safe? I had a feeling I know they would have been at home in their apartments where they were staying. But my go-to verse is this, do not, be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I've said that many, many times, night times and early morning. Well, my mom had to wait for months to get letters to go back and forth to know how I was doing. So I'm really thankful for FaceTime and iMessage. <laughs> and the absolute belief that God is at work in my children's life, lives, and so that's how I make it. In all of our experiences, we need to seek God and draw near to him. As you follow the story of Ruth, God protected and provided for Naomi and Ruth, um, and he had a purpose for their lives. Boaz was a wealthy landowner, a godly man, and unmarried. Ruth was a young widow, of, um, used of God to bring hope and joy to Naomi. 
At the end of the book of Ruth, chapter four, verse 13 tells us, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and give birth to a son. But the neighbor women gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They attributed Ruth's son to Naomi. So what started with death, actually the death of Naomi's husband and two sons, the death of Ruth's husband ended up in life. What started with sorrow ended in joy. So we really do not know how God is working in our lives and what he's going to do, but our part is to trust him, is to put our life in his hands, as we sang earlier today, is to surrender our all to him. For he is able to do exceedingly more abundantly beyond what we can ever think or imagine. So the women named Ruth's son Obed. Now Obed is the father of Jesse and the father of King David and the ancestor of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Naomi may not have known that when she was leaving Moab or Bethlehem. But God is working his purposes even in our grief and our pain, our struggles and our challenges. And I pray that he would give us faith in him to see beyond our circumstances and tragedies into his loving heart. You may be sitting in this sanctuary or listening online, but it's God's providential care that you are hearing his words. You may have thought, oh, I'm gonna go to Bethesda today, or, oh, I think I'm gonna listen online. But God has a hand in your life and is drawing you to himself to come and seek him for whatever you're going through or for your children. God is the all-sufficient one, the El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. You can call upon him and say, Lord, I need you. I can't go through life without you. I've always been uh, struck by this verse in the Bible. Um, When the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. We serve a God who sees. He says, I've given heed to their cry, or I've heard their cry. We serve a God who hears. He's not deaf towards what's going on in our lives. He says, I'm aware of their sufferings. He knows, God knows intimately what we're going through. When, when the disciples asked uh, Jesus to, to teach them to pray, he started off by saying, your heavenly father knows what you have need of. But when you pray, say, our father, that that paternal relationship that we have as children of God and as him being a father to us. So the Lord says, I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them to a good and spacious land. Are you in a place of suffering today? Are you in a place of oppression? Whether it's mental, emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual anguish? A God is a God who sees, he hears, he knows, he feels, and he understands and he will deliver. Psalm 34:19 tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You see, you may not um, see it, you may not know it, you may not understand it, but God is working 
for our good and for his glory. Where are you in your life today? As a daughter, as a mother, as a woman? I would like to invite you to come as mothers, grandmothers, and great-grandmothers, if you're able to, to come to this altar with your thanksgiving and with your needs, with your struggles. So maybe we can all stand and we'll have a word of prayer, if you're able. That's only if you're able to. Um, I know not all of us can, uh, but if you're able to stand, let's stand for prayer. And uh, just ask the Lord to, even now, begin to work in our hearts. Are you caring for a spiritual well-being of children? Are you struggling with a child who has unique needs? Are you struggling as a single mother, a stepmother, a foster mother? Are you suffering the loss of a child? Are you suffering from a miscarriage? Are you, coming, are you caring for a mother, a mother-in-law? Are you longing for a child of your own? Are you suffering from an abortion? Are you waiting to hear from your child? Are you longing for your child to come home? Are you longing for a child that was raised in the faith but is no longer serving God? It's a step of faith that you're coming to seek God who has been faithfully working for your good all your life. It may take time, as in the case of Ruth, waiting years for a child. She waited 10 years for a child. But don't give up hope in God because God is working for our good. So as the band returns, what I really would like us to do is to, is to come as a family of believers and start praying for one another. Uh, some of you have never had anyone pray with you. Come today. Someone will put their hand on your shoulder and pray with you. As mothers, as women, we need to come alongside each other and support each other, as many of you are already doing. But Ruth offered to go with Naomi. Even though she knew her situation was bleak, she took her by the hand and walked together with her into the unknown. That's what we are called to do for each other, to bear one another's burdens. 1 John 3.16 reminds us that we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters, whatever it means and whatever it takes. There's power in prayer. When we pray, the enemy trembles. Praying is simply talking to God. We don't have to find any other language to do it. And praying with others increases our faith in God as we see God work in their lives. So I'll ask you to come, come as a mother, come with your children, come with your grandchildren, if you have, you're here, your grandmother. And um, those who are listening online, maybe on a sick bed or in a hospital, in a home, just put your hand on your heart if you're able, as an acknowledgement that God is at work in your life. His presence is with you and is working in and through your situation. For those who have not yet come to relationship with God, trust Him, believe in Him, Put your life in his almighty hand. God's word says that as many as received him, that's Jesus Christ, to them he gave the power, the authority, and the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So I'll ask Pastor Bruce to come and pray with you, and I'll ask all the mothers if you'd like to come, and uh, we'll all have some time of prayer together. So um, let's just have one prayer uh, so that the Lord will begin to work in our hearts, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the opportunity that mothers have to be mothers and for those aspiring to be mothers. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here today. You know what their situation is. You know what they need you for. 
but we all know that we need you, Lord, and we know that you're as near to us as we call upon your name. Your very presence is among us. So I ask, Lord, that you will do a mighty special work in the hearts of each one of us, even at this moment. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let us make this altar a place of prayer. God's word tells us that our prayers are like incense, it's a sweet aroma to the throne of grace. So let's pray for one another. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our church community, please visit our website, Bethesda.ca, and consider joining us for a gathering soon.